0: All right, Children's Church, you're in operation this morning, if you would please head on out the back. Excellent. Thank you, Dustin and Flora. Take your Bibles if you would. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6, a little quieter this morning. I know uh, probably part of that reason is four of the Varner kids are gone. No, they're not duct taped back at the house in the, in the closet. Uh, Mom wouldn't let me do that. No, just kidding. She, uh, she actually was in favor of it. Now just joking. <laughs> um, they are at the in-laws. And uh, by the way, thank you all for your prayers. We had a great trip uh, this past week, as you know, trying to uh, finish out my practicum. And I was able to complete this stage, uh, I had a week of intense training at uh, GFI, Grace Fellowship International, and uh, I did get my little certificate of completion on that chapter, so I'm very thankful for that. Not quite done, though. I've got, Lord willing, through the end of August, uh, two more courses, and hallelujah, I will be finished with my master's in in counseling, and then I'll probably have to go for some counseling because of all that stress. Anyway, uh, but it was a good week. I look forward to sharing with you some of my encounters. I think one of the best things about this week were the people I met. And um, I'll maybe talk some more. I hope to have this opportunity to share some more maybe in our Wednesday night study because I think it will be more appropriate in that setting. Uh, but I will say this. I, I was very blessed to meet a man from Iran. And he actually he could not go into detail, as you can imagine, Um, He was in the U.S. via Canada, and uh, he had to give uh, a pseudonym name. Uh, He is a voice of the airwaves in Iran. He said he's a very popular man via the airwaves, uh, but not for the good reasons uh, as far as the government goes. They very much want to know who he is, where they can find him, that they might kill him. Um, It was a very uh, just powerful testimony. He shared on the last day, because we had no clue. We just knew him as Tony was his name. And on the last day, he shared his testimony as much of what he could. But basically what he was doing is he's going into. he's been in the United States getting training with Campus Crusade for Christ, some other organizations, GFI being one of them. And they basically um, have people come uh, to, I guess, Armenia. Perhaps my brother, good to see you back there. Uh, good to have Paul Sanders with us. Um, But my understanding is that they go into uh, Armenia because that's a safe country that Iran they can cross the border into. He trains people there, and then they go back into Iran. Um, And it was just amazing to hear some of the things that they were doing. And, of course, these people meet in their training, and they realize this is it. Um, uh, He kind of illustrated about the most scriptures they have in their area as, as much as you could write on a napkin. Um, and they're very much, you know, hidden in what they do. They have to be. Um, uh, and it was just really intriguing to hear Tony, as we know him, tell uh, how they are training these native uh, believers to go back and kind of infiltrate the country, if you will, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in an effective way. But anyway, maybe we'll talk some more about that on Wednesday. Um, but that was one of the highlights. I told somebody in the class, I says, wow, you know, for no other reason, this was worth the trip to hear this man's personal testimony. Sees his wife three months out of the year. Um, and the rest of the time, he is hard at work in seeking to spread the gospel of Christ into a country. Uh, I will share this. He said that um, basically no matter what the news is portraying, that Iran is very, very primed right now for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said the best missionary that they've ever had to the country, and this is sound weird, is the Ayatollah. Because of his house, his compound, the missile defense systems, why is he calling for jihad? Yet he is hiding in his, you know, back when... In in his barracks, and that's what caused people to begin to question the Islamic faith. Wait a minute, why? You know, why are the ones who are calling for it protecting themselves? Why aren't they going? You know, and so it began to plant seeds of doubt. Is the point he was making, and uh, and I know I'm not doing justice paraphrasing his conversation, but just know this: it is a prime mission field, and I left there thinking how much more I need to pray for my brothers and sisters in the Middle East because there is a great opportunity uh, that, is, that is there. Um, we're in go- the Gospel of Luke, and hopefully, Lord willing, we're going to close things out this morning in this section. As you know, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount or Sermon on the Plain, as uh, I- I've been referring to it. And, um, again, you can kind of come to your own conclusions if you think this is the same message that's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Is it the Sermon on the Mount? Uh, or is this Jesus being the itinerant preacher delivering the same message wherever he went? The message of the kingdom, the message of hope, the message of the gospel. And, uh, and so here he's, as, as us traveling preachers often do, use some of the same illustrations, some of the same points. Uh, again, you can come to your conclusions. Either way, it doesn't really matter. The message is still the same, and uh, we need to proclaim it. He's proclaiming it. Uh, you'll notice last time that we left this, we left, um, again, Christ has been talking about the Beatitudes. He started off with a call to himself, basically. As he, as he came down from the mountain. He's been praying. He selects his apostles, and now he begins to, after healing many of those that have gathered, Uh, and casting out demons from those that have gathered. There's this huge mass of people. And I believe there's all types there. I think there's believers. I think there's non-believers. There's the Pharisees, no doubt, because they were always following Him. And He is here, and He begins to lift His eyes. He looks at His disciples, and He begins to teach. And He starts with, Blessed are you poor, or blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and, And so He begins to call them to a humbling of themselves, a repentance, if you will. He goes through this message and he also, we talked about this last time in verse 27, a call to hear. You know, just because you're here this morning doesn't mean you hear, H-E-A-R. There's a lot of people that sit under the teaching of God's Word every week, but never really hear it. And I'd be a fool to believe that, there, that everyone here this morning is really hearing God's Word. Um, when John wrote in Revelation, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the, the Word of God says to the churches, and he speaks of, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. Some of the folks that are gathered here at this great amassed teaching of Christ, They're there listening, but they may not be hearing. And so no doubt there are many that may be in that situation even today. My prayer is that your ears will be open to hear the truth of God's Word, that you might respond in obedience. And that's the last thing that he talks about, and we'll kind of hit on this one today, is that they're also called to heed. And we'll look at the difference between hearing and heeding. But notice if you would, we'll pick up in verse 39 of Luke 6. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? but do not perceive the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, and do they gather grapes from a bramble bush? A good man out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord? Do not the things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it. For it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently. And immediately... It failed, and the ruin of that house was great. Heavenly Father, I, I ask, Lord, that you would please allow me to be a vessel used by you this morning. Lord, I, I pray that you help me to be that clean vessel to communicate the grace of God in the power of God. Lord, help me to have recall in, in the teaching, and, and Lord, the points that you would have me to illustrate and to point out this morning, Lord, I ask that you teach us. We ask that the Holy Spirit lead us in this time and that you would have your will and your way. And Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. And then, Lord, I pray that you give us hearts to heed. That we might give you the glory through our lives that are surrendered and committed to the cause of Christ. And we thank you in the name above every name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus is continuing his thoughts here and you kind of hate when we do these studies that you have to break it up into, you know, week after week after week. Um, But in order to really dig it out, you got to do that. But you got to be careful that you don't lose the big picture in the process. And uh, so that's why I kind of recapped the overall picture uh, in the beginning because we need to realize this is one sermon. This is one sermon that Jesus is delivering. And, um, yeah, maybe I could, maybe that's something I need to learn to do, huh? Yeah, master, getting the point across in, in one sermon instead of ten, right? That might be, be a good thing to, to practice on. But, but anyway, there's so much here that, that you want to take time, and you want to dig it out, and you want to meditate on it. And we, we pick up uh, this week, uh, in continuation of, of last week, and it was speaking of, you know, judge not lest you be judged. And we talked about how this is the world's favorite verse to quote nowadays, out of context. But I, I need you to know this, I, I felt so judged last week uh, after preaching that sermon that uh, I went and got a haircut, if y'all didn't notice that. After Holton told me I needed a haircut and I was looking like I was getting fat, I said I can do at least some, one out of the two, you know, this week. Y- y- y'all don't pick on, I, I shouldn't have said that, Holton was just joking with me, I think. Anyway, but I did get the haircut this week, so, you know, we talked about, it, it, it is easy and we as Christians, we do this. Um we tend to be critical. We tend to be judgmental. And you know what I think a lot of it has to do with? I think it's a lot of it is because we're not exercising our faith. I I think the more that we are living out our faith, the less likely we are of being critical. Now, I'm not saying doing. We've got too much of that. That's part of the problem. We're doing, but not being. Christ calls us to be. And out of that, a natural flow will be to do. And that's a huge difference, gang, and we miss it in the church. We really miss that. And so we busy ourselves sometimes with church things or doing. And they may be good things. They may be, you know, what seems to be proper and in order. But in essence, what we end up doing is simply... Living out of our flesh as opposed to walking in the Spirit. And that's a a fine line a lot of times. And so I think what Christ is doing here in this sermon, He's calling this into check. And especially with those new disciples, those that are now beginning to follow Him, they find themselves kind of torn. They're at a crossroad. Think about the culture. Think about the time. The religious leaders of their day were the Pharisees. I mean, if you looked up to someone who was a a, a religious champion, you would look to these guys. The ones that you thought had their house in order, they were the examples. And yet these are the ones that Jesus is addressing. And so now He has this mass group here and He's called His apostles. The cross is in sight, it's in view if you will. And now He is going to give the instruction. And part of this sermon is, is to teach them the distinction, the difference. And that's why He began this with a contrast between the blessed and the cursed. And so I know that there's these, these Pharisees that are, that are here on the scene. And they would have been standing out like sore thumbs. Because, you know, if you had it together, if you had God's favor, then you were dressed to the teeth. You know, you had on the religious suit, if you will. The, you, you were decorated with the attire that the religious leaders should have had on. And yet, here were the poor and the poverty stricken, some that were probably half clothed. And yet, Christ is giving them the hope. And He's calling out the religious, the self righteous. And that's the distinction, that's the contrast. Is here in this sermon. And we don't need to lose the context. And so he spoke on this about judging not and, and condemning not. And, and then he continues on and he gives a parable. And you know what Jesus, when, when the parables are given so that it, it's sort of like it's, it's hidden from one side. It's hidden from the Pharisee. But those that can really see, can see. It's for those that are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. To them, they got it. The parables was a message from God to them, and yet the religious self-righteous, they, they, just, they, they missed it. They were blind to it. And notice he uses this illustration here. He says, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the, blind, can, can the blind lead the blind? And some say, well, you know, here again he's talking to his disciples. No, he's talking to both. That's why he gave a parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Can't you just imagine those Pharisees? (laughs) This is what they call an axiom. It's sort of one of those questions that you don't even need to ask. It's kind of like, hello? No, Jesus, of course not. That's really a dumb question. It's an axiom. But he's doing it to make a point. It's self-evident. Of course the blind can't lead the blind. I mean, that'd be kind of humorous, wouldn't it? You could him. come on, where are you at? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. It's, I, 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 I couldn't help it when I studied this. And I know, forgive me my my unprovidential rabbit trails, but uh, if, I, if I don't, you know, tell you guys these, who will I tell? Anyway, <laughs> I, I remember working with, y'all remember Dr. Mel Winstead. And Dr. Mel, he... Uh, me and him worked security together at Piedmont. I'm telling you, we saw some hilarious things take place out there. But when I read this passage, the blind leading the blind, I can't help but uh, this picture runs through my head every time when I read this passage. There were two drunks coming down the highway or down the sidewalk at, at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And one of them was, I, I guess it was almost passed out, but he was leaning back, and it was almost like he was on one of those, you know, carts. And he was just willing him down the road like this, just pushing him, trying to get him home, I guess. But anyway, it's kind of like the blind leading the blind. I know that made no sense, and it really was out of... (laughs) But for some reason, I guess my warped mind always thinks about the blind leading the blind, and I see this little guy rolling the other guy down the street. Point is, the blind can't lead the blind. They will both fall into the ditch. And, And he says, a disciple is not above his teacher." Now remember, he's calling his disciples to himself. He's going to be passing the baton, if you will, to send them out. And so he's got a great contrast between the religious, self-righteous leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, uh, scribes, all these guys are gathered. And he says a disciple is not above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Jesus is making this point. You're only going to arrive to the point that you're taught. The best a teacher can do is pour into you everything they know. And if you get everything that they know, you're on the same level as they are, in essence, right? So if you've got a blind teacher, in this case, the parable referencing the Pharisees, and they teach you all that they know, then what are you? Well, let's look at what Scripture says you are, if that's the case. If you're following the wrong teacher, you can end up in a lot of trouble. Look over at Matthew 12. Everybody turn to, to Matthew... Actually, no, let's go to Matthew 23. Go to Matthew 23. We'll hit Matthew 12 in a bit. Look at Matthew... 23, and let's look in verse 24. Verse, uh, of chapter 23, verse, 23, 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint... In itinis and cumin, and, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self indulgence. "...blind Pharisees, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness." He also, he goes on and he he basically ends up saying that uh, those disciples of the Pharisees, they basically end up becoming double-fold children of hell. You see, the Pharisees were the religious teachers of the day. And no doubt a lot of these people that were there, that's what they had been following. They had been following the religious system that they knew from their culture. Well, this is the way mom and daddy always did it. I guess this is the way we're supposed to do it. And they were following the man-made traditions as opposed to the truth of God's Word. In fact, they had made God's Word void because of those traditions. And so, Jesus is speaking to those that could hear. And He says, don't be like them. He says, they're the blind who lead the blind. And a disciple is not above his teacher. Because by the time he's perfectly trained, he's going to look just like him. Why do you think Paul was studying under one of the best religious leaders of the day? That he might become the best Pharisee he could have been. But then he met in Acts 9, Jesus Christ. And gang, we're reminded as believers, as true believers and followers of Christ, we're taught by the Holy Spirit of God. in following after the Word of God. And so, I don't know about you, I like certain teachers, sure. And there's nothing wrong with those teachers if they are leading you to the teacher, Jesus Christ. The question is, and there are a lot of teachers in our day that are teaching a different Jesus. Which Jesus are you following? Are you following the Jesus of your own creation in your own mind? Have you set up for yourself uh, a different Jesus? These are questions you need to ask. Or is it truly the Jesus of the Scriptures? Or are you following the Jesus that you were taught as a child? Maybe He's the right Jesus. But that's where you've got to discern between truth and error. Just because you're taught something all your life doesn't make it true. Some of you grew up in a time period when there were certain bathrooms that you could use and others couldn't. You got used to that tradition. But I can tell you, that's far from truth. And it was no different in their day. You didn't go to Samaria if you were a Jew. I mean, these are problems that have always existed since the fall of man. But again, what are you after? Are you after tradition or are you after truth? I want, I want to seek after truth. And, and so here's Christ basically calling people to a decision. That's what this whole thing is about. In the end, He's going to bring you to a decision. And so He's calling these people to a decision. You've got traditional way of doing things with the Pharisees. Or you can pursue truth. And so notice what happens. He says, continuing on... And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Again, this is kind of like the passage we just talked about a while ago. I don't know if you if, you picked up on this yet, but Jesus is funny. I mean, he's hilarious. This is funny stuff. We don't quite get it in this. We just kind of read through it. It's like, okay, mm, nice, Muffy. Um, but this is funny stuff. Jesus is like, he reads through this. I mean, I'm reading through this. Picture what he's saying. Okay, they had this little tradition back in their day where they would strain their drink to make sure they didn't get the smallest of unclean animals, the gnat. Because, you know, we're good religious people. We can't be having none of those unclean animals because we're religious. So therefore, I strained my drinks so that I don't swallow a gnat while they're actually eating a camel. And that's, I mean, Jesus is saying, you know, look, why are you straining at a gnat? You want to focus on a little, minor, minute thing, and you want to point that little bitty thing out in your brother's life while you're taking in a big, fat camel. And in this case, He says, excuse me, you know there's this big telephone pole. Imagine this big telephone pole swinging, and I walk into the room. Excuse me, David. I can't get close enough to tell you this. but I couldn't help but notice the wood chip in your eye. Let me help you get it out, brother. That's funny stuff they would i mean we, we you would really find that being. Like, okay, that's really funny because, dude, you got a telephone pole coming out of your eyeball. Who are you to tell me to get the speck out, the little sawdust, out of my eye? By the way, the, the, the word here, the speck, is, is it's like a little wood chip. And, and the beam is actually the, the support beam, the main support beam of the house that would have been built back in the day. So in their time, you had this main support beam, and, and this was going to be the big boy in the house. So they knew this. When Jesus makes this comment, those that are listening, I, 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 mean, I imagine it was probably a, a, quite the chuckle. <laughs> you know. um, and so he says, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your eye hypocrite. That's what he says. He calls them hypocrites. Now, at this point, I think he, you know, he's probably full-fledged on with the, with the religious. But no doubt, look, we all stumble at times, do we not? And so there's a great lesson here for whichever side of the aisle you find yourself, whether you have the wood chip or the, or the telephone pole, and at any given moment, I'm sure we've all found ourselves in either-or category. First, remove the plank from your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. We we miss a point here. You know, this goes back to last week's lesson about judging righteously. He who is spiritual judges everything. He who is spiritual discerns everything. You make discernments in life. We all make discernments in life. The question is, what is our measuring stick? And so we want to objectively be able to help a brother or a sister if we see them in error. Galatians 6 talks about you who are spiritual. Help restore a brother who is overtaken in a fault. So there is a responsibility on all of our parts to help our brothers and sisters when they fall into sin or there's an area in their life that's not becoming of a Christian. We have a mandate. To sometimes correct and sometimes rebuke, to instruct, that's part of the responsibility. But we got to be real careful that in that area that I'm addressing, that I'm not guilty. And so there's an introspect first as opposed to pointing out to others. We have a tendency to easily look out there, and it's real easy to notice other people's flaws, right? But never noticing our own. And so Jesus, again, here he's, in, he's encouraging his followers, he's trying to instruct them that, again, starting back, blessed are the poor in spirit. If I am humble in nature, I'm going to start with me. Okay, Lord, help me in this. Help me so that I'm not guilty when I point this out. Help me to go in the right attitude. Help me to go in the right spirit that I'm not, you know, that I'm not guilty of this. Now, you know, it's it's I often point this out and I give this as an example because I, you know, one time uh my BC days before Christ, I struggled with alcohol. Now, when God delivered me from that, I praised the Lord that he took away that desire. Now, I am not being judgmental if I go to now a believer in Christ, as a believer in Christ, and I come alongside them because they are struggling with alcohol, and I begin to point out to them in their life my concern for them and the danger as a believer what this means and how this can be a stumbling block. And again, I'm going with the right attitude. I'm not, bless God, brother, you better repent of that and you're going straight to hell. You've know, you got to be careful with how you approach Understanding that. Now, some of you have, have tried to do this before, and people want to bring up your past. Well, you know, who are you to judge me? You used to... Well, that's a different ball game. Okay? And so, again, the point here in Jesus' teaching is if you have removed from your own eye, and in this case, in my situation, my scenario, by God's grace... By God's forgiveness, I was delivered and healed. That, if you would, was removed. So now I can see clearly. I do know and I do have a platform to speak into this person's life because I know exactly what you're struggling with and I know exactly what it can do to your life and I know exactly what the dangers of this are. So please, brother, sister, I'm begging you. I'm urging you hear what I'm saying. I'm not doing this. To, to, to be uh, judgmental. I'm not doing this to rain on your parade. I'm not doing this to be ugly. I'm doing this because I care. You know, I always used to, when I taught teens, I used to um, say, man, well, you know, just imagine, all of a sudden I just took off, you know, full speed ahead and ran into that wall. Poof, you know, that'd be pretty funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, 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 let's see you do it. No, thank you. That'd be pretty dumb, though, right? would be pretty dumb. I think we can all agree that'd be pretty dumb. But wouldn't it be even dumber that after I did it, and I said, ow, boy, that hurt. Mark, don't do that. That hurt. And Mark gets up and does it right after me. Now, who's dumber? No, I didn't mean that that way, you know. (laughs) Mark, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. But you get the illustration. I mean, and yet, here again, sometimes because we're trying to encourage another and help them, it's sometimes misconstrued. Jesus wants them to know. Look, there's a you know, be careful, but there is a reason for this. You do need to be able to help your brother. But the but again, the problem here is these religious self-righteous, the blind men if you will, were real quick to point out such as the case with the pharisee. I'm glad I'm not like this sinner. <laughs> I tithe, I do all of these great things. Thank you, God. Amen. And the guy over here, the sinner, won't even lift his eyes. He won't even, you know, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. The man, the sinner, went away justified. The self-righteous man was condemned. We've got to be careful. Notice he says in verse 43... For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks." Look, a good tree, and I, I, I've only been farming for a little while, but um, good plants produce good vegetables, right? <laughs> yeah, I no, I got called out on my farming. They don't call that. That's not farming what I'm doing. That's just tearing up my backyard. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Come on, please let me live in this fantasy world for just a little bit. Season's almost over. Um, but I do know this. A good plant is going to produce good Fruit, good vegetables. Actually, have a grapevine growing, and um, right now they're a little bitter, but um, but they're actually starting to come in. It's actually starting to produce grapes, and um, and, and so you know it's it's interesting. Jesus points out, look, you're not going to go over here to a thorn bush and get figs off of it. You know, I, I remember some of you've heard this story before, but some of you haven't. So, um. When I was in ministry, youth ministry, uh, previously, there was a kid who was coming to youth group. And he was just, you know, always distracting. He was always causing problems. He just did, you know, it was just constant, constant, constant. Finally, I, I said, Brian, come on, man, I need to talk to you. Come up in my office. We'll sit down after, afterwards. I sat him down. I said, Brian, why do you come? And it kind of, you know, it was just me and him in the office. And so he was like. Uh well I want to learn more about the Bible. I shook my head. I said, No. I said, Brian, look, man, it's just me and you. You can just be completely honest. Why do you come to youth group? Well, I told my dad the other day I want to know more about the Bible. I said, Brian, that's just not true, man. Come on, be honest with me. What is it that you like? Why do you come here? Is it because you like the snack time? Do you like the games? You know, do, do, you, do you like the trips? What, what? He says, well, I, I like the trips y'all go on. I said, okay, no, that's an honest answer. I appreciate that. I really do appreciate that. I said, Brian, when, when I asked you that question, you said initially that it was because you want to know more about the Bible. How did I know that was wrong? I just kind of looked at him. I said, well, let me give you an illustration. I pulled up the blinds and I looked at it. I said, see that tree out there? Let's imagine that's an orange tree. How do I know that's an orange tree? Well, I guess it'd have oranges on it. Yes, exactly. When you said a while ago that you came for the Bible, right? you don't even bring a Bible. (laughs) And then when I give you a Bible, you don't even open it up. You don't even look in it. So you're telling me you're an orange tree, but I'm not seeing any oranges. I said, look, man, I, I love you. I want you to be here. But I want you to be here for the right reason. Games are fine. Trips are fine. You want to come on those? That's fine. Let me know. But just know that when you do come in here, we we meet to study the Word of God. And, and, And I need you to either be on board or maybe just come when the trips are on, you know, to that extent. Well, Bryant came a couple of times, and he realized he was odd man out because the rest of the kids really were gravitating to studying the Word of God, and he didn't really fit into that. That's okay, because a lot of these guys that are gathered here at Jesus' teaching also went away. And Jesus didn't go after them to try and, oh, please, all you Pharisees, we need you. Our numbers are down. Please. No. And so, again, sometimes, and especially here in this case, Jesus is bringing this to a decision. And the decision is yours to make. And the people that are gathered, it's their decision to make. And he gives this a parable, he gives this illustration of the good tree uh, bearing good fruit, the bad tree uh, bearing bad fruit, and they don't do the opposite. A tree is known by its own fruit. What's your tree producing? What's on your tree? I mean, really, let's ask this, this is one of those introspects. Do people see me as a, as a fruit-bearing follower of Christ? Go into Galatians 5. Well, let's, let's go on over there right now. Let's go on over there right now. I didn't intend to go here, but let's go here. Because we need to find out, are you a fruit tree or a nut tree? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Couldn't pass that up. All right. Notice, here's one tree in Galatians 5.19. Five nineteen. Now the works of the flesh are evident. In other words, you can see the fruit. Adultery. Anybody out there committing adultery? Anybody in here committing adultery? Fornication. Uncleanness. Lewdness. How about idolatry? Sorcery, hatred, how about contentions? Anybody being contentious? What about jealousies? Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, Envy, murders, by the way, hating your brother is murder in the heart, drunkenness, revelries and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, contrast that with verse 22. But the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Gang, this past week, and you're going to probably hear a lot of it, but we hit all over what it means to walk in the Spirit, not after the flesh. Galatians 2.20 says it loud and clear. Flip over there and look. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's where we need to be. Well, Jesus is laying out the difference here in the contrast. And He says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. You want to know where somebody is? Just listen to him. Listen to what they're saying and look at their actions. What's the fruit of their tree and what is the words out of their mouth? But before we look out there, let's look right inside. Let's think about this in in an introspect. Where am I at in this? What is coming out of my mouth? Mm. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me my attitude. Forgive me those times when I am bitter or contentious. Forgive me those times when I'm Lacking self-control. I mean, you know, look at yourself. I'll look at myself, I can promise you that. When Jesus is teaching this, no doubt that is exactly what's going on across the multitude. And He says in response of this introspect, notice verse 46, "...but why do you call me Lord, Lord?" And do not do the things which I say. I mean, let's think right here for a moment, Christian. There's a lot of people listening today that name the name of Christ. I'm a Christian. But all the display of their tree is bad fruit. What do you do with the words that Jesus just spoke? Notice this parallels over Matthew. Flip over to Matthew. Matthew, um, and let's go over to um, Matthew seven. Somebody help me out. He says the passage where many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in thy name? Thank you. 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, saying Lord, Lord is a good thing, right? That's a good start. They're at least identifying Him as Messiah. Teacher? The highest of all the teachers? Lord? Lord? Seems like a good start. But Jesus said, many. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. You want to know where you're at? Give yourself a litmus test. Are you doing the will of the Father? You see, yes or no. Either I am or I'm not. Am I really living after, walking after, walking in the Spirit? Or is it all fleshly consumed? But he who does the will of my Father in heaven... Many many will say to me in that day, Lord... Lord, have we not prophesied? Have we not taught? We've taught. These were teachers. Have we not taught? Have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? I mean, some of these people have done even miracles in the name of Jesus. You can flip through your TV and find a bunch of these guys. Verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Gang, we've got to ask ourselves, is there a lifestyle? Is there a practice? I may be saying, hey, I'm here for the Bible study. But that's just not true. There may be a lot of us sitting here listening, but we're not hearing Man, this is serious. This is the difference between heaven and hell. This is eternally speaking. And how close, how close to come to eternal salvation. But to betray Jesus with a kiss. This is the Judas. And yet too many people are banking on their, their religious acts and their doings instead of their being. Jesus said, look, come unto me, ye that are heavy laden and weary. I will give you rest. Doing takes a lot of work. Rest takes none. And Jesus Christ, He is coming to give rest. Hope. It's not about doing. It's about a being. Being in Christ. And Christ offers salvation freely. To whomsoever will, let him come. And to these religious people, he was asking, he, he offered, yeah, he was hard on them. But instead of, if, if, if those, and I'm sure there were those, as we have some in Scripture, I believe, that weren't resistant. Because the self-righteous have a way sometimes when we try to help them. When we've removed the, the, the beam from our eye and we try to help them, there seems to be a defense, doesn't there? Self-righteous want to put a wall of defense up. It's called pride. And God makes it real clear. God resists the proud. There's nothing for us to be proud about. God resists the proud. But He gives grace to the humble. Oh Lord, help me to be humble. Lord, help me not to be resistant. And yet here Jesus stood in this multitude teaching and no doubt there were those who were humble in spirit and there were those that were full of pride. And He says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. Guys, there's your outline in verse 47 for this whole sermon. Look at it closely. Whoever comes to me There's the first point. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the the poor in spirit. Those that come to Christ in broken repentance. Lord, forgive me. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings. That's that that over in in verse... um, uh, Where do we point that one out? In verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemy. And now he's here in his final point. He says, uh, whoever comes to me, repentance, and hears my saying and does them. It's not enough to hear, gang. We're called to heed. Notice what James says over in James 1. Uh, You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. James 1, 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You know, we we, we love to quote Ephesians uh, 2, 8, and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith, not a works, lest anyone should boast. But we fail to continue on to, to what verse 10 tells us. And it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's a natural outflow. There's natural fruit that should be coming out on the tree. The problem is, Me and you have not crucified ourselves. We have not truly gone to the cross. But I got news for us. If you're a believer, I am crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And now the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Man, that's a freeing verse. When that really sinks into the level that Paul intended it, That's a freeing verse because you cease from doing and in that moment you're being. Well, I'm closing. Notice he says, whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he, but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently And immediately, it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. That's Jesus' sermon on the mount. Sermon on the plain. And he started it with a call to himself. And then he... Ask, if you have ears to hear, hear what I'm saying. If you're a follower of me, if you're a teacher, I'm I'm trying to teach you. uh, Jesus is saying to his disciples, a very radical message, love your enemies. See, they had taught, the self-righteous had taught, hate your enemies. He says, love your enemies. He gives them all these radical teachings of what it really means to have the heart of God, to follow after God, but they're getting it, they're hearing it, because they've come to Him broken. They've come to Him with nothing to offer, but just crushed in their spirit, knowing their need. And He says, now don't just hear what I'm saying, heed it. And He gives the contrast in the closing. Remember He started in the beginning with blessed, And the cursed, the blessed and the woes, blessed and the woes. And now he ends with another contrast. The one who hears and the one who heeds. And that final portion of Scripture we read is in regards to judgment. He talked about that vehement rain that comes, that destruction. The judgment of God will fall. And these self-righteous that were there, these religious folks, the, the, the Pharisees who He had just referenced throughout, they knew the Word. They taught the Word. No doubt they will be a part of that remnant of the many. The many who will say to Him in that day, Lord, Lord. Why do you call me Lord? Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I command? Church, I want us to reflect this thought as we close. Am I heeding? Do I call Jesus Lord, but don't do what He asks? Am I not living out my faith in the Son of God? What's on my fruit tree? Paul says examine yourself. Examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. And let me just say this. If you find after self-examination that you're not, humble yourself before a holy God and cry out to Him with a broken heart. Ask his forgiveness. Ask for his grace. And you know what other promise he's going to follow through with? If anyone comes to me, I will in no wise cast them out. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who are you following? Who's your teacher? Does he, she, know Christ? Are they pointing you to the Savior? Are they pointing you to self? We all have teachers in our life. I'm just one of them. Your Sunday school teacher is just one of them. But who is really who? Who are you looking to? Who's your lead in life? Is it the traditions that you grew up with? Is it the culture? Is it the modern media? Is it your friends? This sermon is powerful. And if we will soak in the message and not just hear it, but heed it, our lives can truly be transformed. And There is no doubt on that day on that plane as Jesus stood there and He concluded that there were many who came to Him in broken surrender, but there were also many who went away with resistant pride, afraid of what others might think, afraid of acknowledging wrong, afraid of filling the blank. Let's don't be one of those. That's too close to eternity. To miss Don't kiss Christ on the cheek and walk away. Let's pray.